SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are live right here to start off a new week on Football Full Circle on the Sports Grid Radio Network and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. He is the mastermind of the pigskin. That would be Joe Lisi. We both wish that you had a great holiday weekend, spent a ton of time with family, friends, loved ones, and had a very Merry Christmas on your Sunday. And we hope mixed in there as well, Joe Lisi, there was a lot of football that everybody was tuned into over the holiday weekend. Oh, unbelievable action, Ben. In terms of the Saturday and Sunday slate, didn't get better than that. I really have to admit, it was a great weekend of NFL action. We saw some upsets take place and some teams that are still alive, baby. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers still have a pulse. It's amazing. The next two weeks of the regular season is going to be unbelievable, and we're just getting started. It's a really good point, Joe, and I think that's where we begin the triple header on Sunday the first time ever there has been three games played on a Christmas day in the history of the National Football League and we can go in order but I think the most significant game Joe Lisi was the Green Bay Packers going on the road to Miami they're down seven at the break 20 to 13 was the score at the halftime locker room point and then Green Bay rallies in the second half Miami does not score again in the final two quarters Tua Tungavailoa throws an interception on on each of the final three drives for Miami in Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers went outright as a three and a half point underdog 26 to 20. Joe, they're one game below 500 still, but from the odds perspective and at least that momentum perspective after winning three consecutive games, Green Bay's hopes of being a playoff team here in 2022 very much alive and well. Yeah, and they're 15-0, and 0, I believe, under Matt LaFleur in terms of the month of December. So just think Crazy. about that. Undefeated yeah. right now. And they stepped up. They trailed by 10 points at the half. They made halftime adjustments. And that defense really has come on, I want to say, in recent weeks. As much as it, yeah. it has been Christian Watson in the running game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon showing consistency, that defense has found ways to become opportunistic in back-to-back weeks now. And that has carried them. If that can continue over the next two weeks of the regular season. They're going to be right there because Aaron Rodgers seems to be finding his groove and now has confidence in the young receivers which could be recipe for disaster for whichever team if they sneak into the playoffs that they face. They could be a live you know, underdog here in terms of value heading into the regular season final. So, Joe, there are four teams right now in the NFC playoff picture really competing for that final wild card spot. The Giants haven't clinched their berth to the postseason. The Cowboys have. So there's really two open spots right now in the NFC wild card picture. The Buccaneers winning on Sunday night. We'll discuss that in just a couple of minutes, positioning themselves well for a chance at a divisional crown this upcoming weekend as they host the Carolina Panthers. But there's four teams right now, Joe Lisi, really battling for the final NFC wild card spot. The Packers now somehow, some way, back very much in the hunt. The Detroit Lions, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Washington Commanders. All four of those teams, Joe Lisi, on the FanDuel Sportsbook, have a plus money price to be a playoff team. But the Packers have the shortest of those numbers, the best number associated to make the postseason. It's plus 184 
for Green Bay. It's plus 205 for Washington. It's a plus 280 number for Seattle and plus 340 for Detroit. So out of these teams, Joe, all battling it out against one another, they have the opportunity, do the Packers, to be that playoff team. They have won three straight games. It is truly fascinating to see where they were because three weeks ago, Joe, the conversation about Green Bay wasn't, hey, do they have a sliver of hope to be a postseason team here in 2022? It was how close are they to be mathematically eliminated? And maybe the conversation around the Green Bay organization is, is this the time now to see what Jordan Love provides for your team so you know at the end of Aaron Rodgers' contract, he still has two years after this one, what you have in the future. Now, Joe, it's how good of ball is Aaron Rodgers playing to lead this Packers team to a playoff spot and maybe make some noise in the postseason. Yeah, they sort of worked out the kinks, right? There, there's consistency in terms of the quarterback to wide receiver relationship with Watson. We saw Mercedes Lewis get involved. And as long as they can run the football, Ben, that is why I give the edge to the Green Bay Packers because of the dynamic duo, the one-two punch, the heavy the big back in terms of A.J. Dillon and the scat back in terms of Aaron Jones. And they utilize both of those guys in the short intermediate passing game. They really have to account for not just the rushing attack, attack, but obviously every aspect of the passing attack as well, and that's why I give the edge right now to Green Bay, because they are the most consistent team out of that group of four right here, right now, offensively and defensively, and they have the best quarterback out of that group. If you want to bank money in a playoff type of situation, you're going to go Aaron Rodgers, or you're going to go Taylor Heineke, Goff, or, or Geno Smith. You tell me. I would go Aaron Rodgers, certainly so, Joe Lisi. As we get going for Week 17, what the Packers still have on the horizon, they host the Minnesota Vikings at Lambeau this upcoming Sunday. Green Bay booked already as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Then there could be a winner-take-all game of sorts to end out the regular season. Week 18 as the Packers host the Detroit Lions. Both of those teams could be battling for that final NFC wildcard spot once we reach that moment. Plenty more from the triple header on Christmas in the NFL up next here on FFC. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the other side of the equation, for the start of the triple header on Christmas Sunday in the National Football League, the Miami Dolphins. Because as we discussed, Joe Lee, see the Green Bay Packers on a three-game win streak, yet Miami has now dropped four in a row. Joe, they still currently hold on to the seventh and final AFC playoff spot in the standings as we stand entering week number 17, the final two weeks of this NFL regular season. But they've dropped four state straight. There's still a game ahead of both of their divisional foes in New England and in the New York Jets, and Miami ends the year with games against them. So really, that's all that matters for the Dolphins. But despite the three interceptions from Tua Tungavailoa yesterday, Joe, and the final three offensive drives for Miami, is there anything else that is giving you great concern about the Dolphins at this moment? Second half adjustments, and and we've seen it now in in a couple of games. The one game against the uh, Chargers and the game yesterday with Green Bay is that Mike McDaniel doesn't have the killer instinct when it comes to the play calls. I I just haven't seen that. They jump up to a 10-point lead, and then they try to utilize the rushing attack of Raheem Mostert and uh, and, uh, Jeff Wilson in the second half early in the third quarter. Why? When Tua was in a rhythm and the offense was clicking, he's hitting Jalen Wilde. 
Tyreek Hill had 84 receiving yards in the first half. Waddle was over 100 yards. Tua was over 200. Why do you take your foot off the gas when this game was so important to get back on track? I just don't understand. Yeah, the offensive line played well, and yes, they did run the football effectively uh, in certain aspects, but why slow down the tempo when you're up by 10 points and your quarterback is in a rhythm? You look to win that ball game by 17 to 20. You just don't take your foot off the gas, especially yeah. when it comes to conservative play calls. And then when they had to kick it back into gear, Tua was not in rhythm. The offense was inconsistent, and they caused turnovers. Just makes no sense to me. He's so smart that he outgame planned himself. The Green Bay Packers scored two field goals off of those three interceptions from Tua Tungavailoa on the third and final one. It ended up being the end of the game for Green Bay as they ran out the clock from there. That was the six-point difference in the football game as Green Bay won 26-20 again outright as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. There are no make-playoff odds per se in the AFC at the moment. The Dolphins still have the sixth-best number to win the conference title at 19-1 to in the AFC. Well in front of where both the Jets and the Patriots are, the two teams that trail Miami in the standings, 170-1 to for both New England and New York. The second game up, Joe, of the triple header on Sunday A game that didn't really have playoff implications, but ramifications will be felt from a 50-burger. The Rams put up at home in L.A. against the Denver Broncos. 51-14 in the final. L.A. and Baker Mayfield went outright as a three-point home underdog. Cam Akers runs for 118 yards and three touchdowns. Baker Mayfield was 24 of 28 for 230 and two tuds. And, Joe, when you look at the Denver Broncos, their team is done. Their team has quit. There is no fight left in that defense, nor should there be, because their offense continues to sputter along. And an offense orchestrated by first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett, known as an offensive mastermind for the three years he spent in Green Bay alongside. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson who was 15 of 27 for 214 a touchdown and three interceptions Joe he was so bad he was benched for Brett Rippon who came into the football game in the second half it is disastrous Joe for Denver all across the board and it would seem that sweeping changes must be made in the mile high city Yes, and this game was won in the trenches because as good and as successful as Baker Mayfield was, the the success of the rushing attack opened that up for Baker Mayfield, right? Cam Akers, 50 yards, basically on the first drive of that ball game. He had three rushing touchdowns on the afternoon. Baker Mayfield looks like he's more comfortable in the offensive scheme with, with Sean McVay. He got Higby involved. Higby with two receiving touchdowns. I mean, he just came on the board last week, right? He's got three now over the last couple of weeks so they're getting involved in terms of the tight end and and when you look at Denver right now just terrible I mean just a pathetic performance Russell Wilson holding on to the football way too long doesn't know where he wants to go he's not confident he's not running uh, the, the football when he should and at the end of the day a poor decision by the Denver Broncos for putting all their eggs into the basket for Russell Wilson taking them to the promised land because quite honestly he's not worth the money Ben Joe, I said that sweeping changes feel like they must be made, but what can those changes exactly be? You mentioned it. A five-year, $245 million contract for Russell Wilson. This is the first year of that five-year deal. 
Where do you go if you're Denver? Sure, Nathaniel Hackett is probably going to be fired. Some people just can't hack it at being an NFL head coach. Maybe he's built to be an offensive coordinator. But what do you do with Russ? I think that will be one of the biggest questions entering this offseason. A team in Denver that had tons of optimism entering this offseason, Joe, because of a top two defense returning and all that they had on that side. And frankly, the Broncos, despite the 50-burger the Rams scored yesterday through 14 weeks of this NFL year, had really lived up to that staunch and stout defensive team they were even last year under Vic Fangio. But the offense has failed them yet Again, the quarterbacks in this game, Joe, will be the questions moving forward for each of these franchises. What do you do with Russ if you're Denver? Where does Baker Mayfield slot into the Rams' future, if at all? And is he now auditioning for other spots around the National Football League to continue to be a starter at this level? It was a starter last night, Joe, in the desert. Trace McSorley making his first NFL career start for Arizona. The third-string quarterback starting off against Tom Brady in his 23rd NFL season, over 330 starts for Tom Brady in his NFL career. And it seemed like McSorley, Joe, for most of that game, had the upper hand. Arizona pulls away for a 16-6 lead into the fourth quarter. They're up by double digits in that fourth and final quarter. Tom Brady does it again. He orchestrates a comeback for the Buccaneers. They force overtime, and they win it in OT. A 40-yard game winner off the right foot of Ryan Suckup. 19-16, the final there. The Buccaneers coming nowhere close, Joe, really the entirety of the game, but covering as a 7.5-point road favorite. They are 3-9-1 against the spread, but they do survive with a victory because, Joe, as we were breaking that game down last week, we said if the Bucs can fail to capitalize on this opportunity, Tom might as well stay out in the desert. Well, it seemed like he was looking up some rental homes in Scottsdale for most of the game, but he finds his way back in the Buccaneers, Joe, still hold on to that one-game lead in the NFC South, setting up a huge showdown this upcoming Sunday in Tampa against the Carolina Panthers. I'm not buying into Tampa right now. I know Leonard Fournette looked good last night, not just in the run game, but in the screen game. They got him involved. But, I mean, how one-dimensional was Arizona in that offense? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had one catch for four yards. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, that was – Trace McSorley went to Greg Dortch more times than DeAndre Hopkins in that ball game, And at the end of the day, they still won it in overtime. I mean, they basically – handed them that game in overtime. Once they got the football, the play calling was atrocious by Cliff Kingsbury. Trace McSorley proved that he's a a legitimate backup in this league, can't be a starter, and and they should have won. But it's it's amazing that this game was as close as it was in in terms of how they attacked the Tampa Bay defense because we said it, Ben. This defense is not the same as it was over the past couple of seasons, and even if they do win out, they're going to need a better effort to win a playoff game. And that game on Sunday, Joe, at home in Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers and the Panthers decides the fate virtually of the NFC South. Will they win? The Bucs clinch the division. If the Panthers win, they would now tie the Buccaneers at the top of the standings, and they would have the two-game season series sweep, thus the tiebreaker from the head-to-head perspective. The early line, Tampa booked as a five-and-a-half point favorite. Tom said it Last night, Joe, in the post-game interview, it has never been easy for the Buccaneers so far offensively throughout this season. That two-minute up-tempo 
offensive scheme they have looks pretty good for them. That's where they find the most success. And although Tom struggled, he threw the ball 48 times. He was a perfect 6-for-6 six six on that game-winning drive in overtime, the 57th game-winning drive of his career. More football full circles up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Christmas Sunday in the NFL. The Buccaneers survive and prevail in overtime 19-16. So, Joe, they're now a minus 550 favorite to win the NFC South. They're the early favorite of five and a half points in the individual game spread against the Carolina Panthers. But the Panthers hot on the heels of the Buccaneers after what they did on Saturday, Christmas Eve. 11 NFL games on Christmas Eve. And we'll start with Carolina, Joe, because why not? A big victory for the Panthers at home against the Detroit Lions. They ran the football all over Detroit. I mean all over. They had north of 200 yards in the first half. They had two running backs that totaled 125 or more yards in both Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman, Joe Lisi. So a big day on the ground. Carolina runs for 320 yards and they beat up on Detroit 37-23 outright as a two and a half point home underdog. So Lisi, Carolina very much in the fold. That loss for Detroit stifling a trend where Detroit entered winning six of their last seven, covering in seven straight. Now Detroit's work to get into the postseason, Joe, seems a lot more difficult than it was entering Christmas Eve Saturday. Yeah, it does, but it's still a successful season for Dan Campbell, right? Over their preseason win total of six and a half. They couldn't shut down the run against the Carolina Panthers. They rushed for 320 yards on that front seven, and that's why I think when you look ahead to this matchup, Carolina and Tampa Bay, you still have to give the edge to the Carolina Panthers because Tampa Bay couldn't shut down James Conner when it really mattered most, right? James Conner had a big touchdown run late in the fourth quarter to put put Arizona up by basically 10 points in that ballgame. So if they can if they can run the football, Carolina, the way they did over the past couple of weeks, they're going to be within that ballgame on the road in Tampa Bay. We have to see how it plays out. On the flip yeah. side for Detroit, I mean, right now you just have to put your head down and work. Just try and win the next two ball games and see yeah. if you can get a couple of games go your way to put to potentially put you into the playoffs. At the end of the day, still a successful season. They have a big foundation to build upon, and Dan Campbell has done a great job in terms of cultivating the young talent. It's just that in this matchup, Carolina was the better offense and defensive line. A plus 340 price now for Detroit to make the postseason. Maybe I mixed my numbers up somewhere. The Buccaneers only a three-point early look favorite against Carolina on Sunday. This Sunday, Detroit is back home in the Motor City. They host the Chicago Bears as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. If Detroit can win, it would set up a huge game week 18 in Lambeau against the Green Bay Packers. Elsewhere around the NFL, Joe, that Christmas Eve Saturday slate, I think the marquee matchup, at least the one we followed with all the storylines entering was the Eagles and the Cowboys at the star on Saturday in Dallas. Of course, the status of Jalen Hurts was the story we followed all week. It went from doubtful to out. Gardner Minshew made the start 
it was an exciting game, Joe, where the Cowboys closed as a four-point favorite, and we saw four lead changes as well as three touchdowns. And the Cowboys ultimately pick up the victory 40-34, to covering as a four-point home favorite. A total of 47.5 goes way, way over. Joe, Gardner Minshew threw the ball for 355 yards and two tutties, but also two interceptions. Dak Prescott, 347, three touchdowns and a pick as Dallas picks up a big, big victory at home, Joe. And that game lived up to the billing. It really did, and Gardner Minshew, a great backup, right? So the offense really didn't miss a beat. We talked about the lack of the RPO game without Jalen Hurts in there. I think that affected, obviously, Philly's performance from an offensive perspective. But this game goes deeper to me in the sense of how Dallas was able to attack Philly's secondary over the top because Dak Prescott had a ton of success, right? Over 320 passing yards. He got Dalton Schultz involved. CeeDee Lamb caught some passes. At the end of the day, that's the recipe, right? If we're talking big picture in terms of Philly being a a Super Bowl caliber team and Dallas as well, Dallas stepped up from an offensive perspective. From a confidence standpoint, they feel they can attack that Philly defense. So this is something that we have to monitor as the uh, playoffs come closer to see potential matchups because, again, wasn't sold on Philly's defense as a whole, thinking they were elite. They sort of got to in that ball game, Ben. Yeah, I mean, 40 points, never good when you give that up. They did score a touchdown, a Josh Sweat pick six of Dak Prescott that really opened up the scoring for Philadelphia. I think it was just an interesting game, Joe, really, when you look at how things played out. I think you're right, though. Gardner showed that he can be that guy you can count on as a backup at this level. Now, I think it's very interesting, Joe Lisi, when you look at what the odds say for Philly moving forward. Again, the game lost some of its importance after Jalen Hurts was ruled out, but also with the fact that Philly had a three-game lead in the division with only three weeks to go. They need to win just one of their final three games, now one of their final two, Joe, to clinch not only the NFC East division, but the NFC's number one overall seed. So now we have to figure out what Jalen Hurts has in store moving forward. Philly Joe on this upcoming Sunday hosts the New Orleans Saints as a seven-point home favorite. Do you think Jalen Hurts plays in that football game? I don't think he does. I mean, again, you want Jalen Hurts to be completely 100% healthy for the playoffs. If Jalen Hurts is at 95%, there's no reason to force him back. I mean, you still have the last regular season game. You got to believe that they can win this ball game with, with Gardner Minshew at the helm, right? They went toe-to-toe with the Dallas Cowboys. Why can't they beat the New Orleans Saints? It's back-to-back road games for the Saints and Dutch Dalton, and they, they got pushed to the limit by the rounds in that matchup. So, again, I would not play Jalen Hurts in this ballgame. I know what's at stake, but at the end of the day, you have to make sure he's 100% healthy for the playoffs. I would start him, if he is 100%, better to do with the last regular season game than this one. It will be very interesting, Joe, because I think that's a huge part of the conversation. Just how healthy is Jalen Hurts? Is it 90%? Is it 97%? Could he have played last week if he absolutely needed to, but he's closer to like 85%? What exactly is the health status? The line opened at six and a half, Joe. I don't think that's a Jalen Hurts' number. 
I think that's just, hey, the Eagles are a pretty good team, and Gardner Minshew showed he could make that offense go. Yes, there are limitations, obviously, as opposed to Jalen Hurts playing at an MVP caliber level all season long, but it's something to pay attention to and monitor that spread as we get going. The Saints still technically in the running for the NFC South, but they would need it to go helter-skelter over the last two weeks of the year. They have lost both games to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this season so far. Elsewhere around the NFC, Joe, on Christmas Eve Saturday, the Niners continue to be the hottest team in all of the NFL. Eight straight now for San Francisco, and they pummel Washington 37 to 20. Joe, the 20 points the Commanders scored, the most the Niners defense has given up since Halloween weekend, and yet they continue to put up points with Brock Purdy. 37 they scored against a really good Washington Commanders defensive unit as well, Joe. How impressed are you by San Francisco on this eight-game streak? Yeah, I'm very impressed because, again, you know, they did not miss a beat. They they had a hot team, I want to say, in Washington, even though Washington came off the loss against the New York Giants. Taylor Heineke and that offense were putting up points. That was one of the better rush defenses that we've seen over the last four or five weeks. And at the end of the day, they still ripped them on the ground for a buck 53, right? Christian McCaffrey, that offensive line, as long as they can, can stay into short third down situations, doesn't really matter. Who's the quarterback, whether it's Garoppolo, Lance, or now with Brock Purdy, because they're going to be there. I mean, at the end of the day, San Francisco is winning ball games in the interior. The ability to run the football and get quarterback pressures is where this team is right now. And until you stop that, or the offensive yeah. line steps up and neutralizes the front seven of San Fran, they are playing one of the best football, the best football in terms of both conferences. This is going to be a tough team. Team, no matter where they go. And right now, they're an NFC Championship caliber team. I would take them over Philly, especially watching that game play out huh. in Dallas uh, the other night. It will be an interesting evaluation. Which side do you feel the most confident in entering the postseason from the NFC? Obviously, the Niners as a whole, as an organization with most of this unit, have by far the most postseason experience and success, but that's with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. How do we feel about the young rook in Brock Purdy against Washington? 15 of 22, 234, two touchdowns. Yes, an interception, but two touchdowns, Joe, for the second straight week to George Kittle. That Cyhawk connection between the Cyclone out of Iowa State and Brock Purdy and the Hawkeye out of Iowa in George Kittle continues to pay dividends for San Francisco. Plus 310, the number on the Niners to win the NFC, the second-best price only behind Philly at plus 170. And really, Joe, the market didn't move based on the results of Christmas Eve Saturday. I thought it might with Philly's second loss of the year. It really didn't. Again, I think the market's telling you, hey, Gardner's a fine backup if he has to go. There's so much talent on Philly. They can continue to win football games and clinch that NFC number one overall seed. But the team with the second best record right now, Joe, in the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings. For the 11th time out of their 12 wins this year, Minnesota wins in a victorious way of a single-digit football game. 61 yards was the game-winning field goal off the leg of Greg Joseph, a franchise record in Minnesota as the Vikings beat the Giants, Joe, 27-24. So again, 11 of the 12 victories for the Vikes this year by a single 
score. And they went up against another team, Joe, that is good at playing single-score football games as well in the New York Giants. But Minnesota walks away with the victory. We'll get your thoughts on that, the NFC race, how things look over in the AFC as we continue to recap the holiday weekend of National Football League action. Live right here on the Monday following Christmas on Football Full Circle on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Come back and join us next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on Football Full Circle. The day following Christmas, but we need to look back on all the Christmas weekend action in the NFL. So, Joe, we go from the NFC to the AFC here. It's Joe Lisi and Ben Stevens live with you on FFC. On Christmas Eve Saturday, a couple of big point spreads, Joe, over in the AFC realm of things. The Chiefs were a 10-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Seattle Seahawks. And despite the fact, Joe Lisi, Kansas City has won now at least 12 games in five straight years. They haven't been great at covering numbers booked as a favorite. They have been booked, has Kansas City, as a favorite in all but two games since the start of 2020. They entered the weekend 20-28-1 against the spread as a favorite. Just a dismal 3-8-1 ATS this year in 2022, but they get a win. And a cover against Seattle inside Arrowhead on Saturday. 24-10, to the victory for Kansas City, Joe. Were you surprised they were finally able to cover a double-digit spread? No, because, you know, Seattle's starting to come back down to earth, not playing well from a defensive perspective. Offensively, they don't have an identity anymore. They're inconsistent. And at the end of the day, all the numbers, okay, Ben, suggested that Seattle would cover this. You could not make an argument about why Kansas City would cover this double-digit spread, and sure enough, they cover it. That's Actually, that should be the best indicator about why we should have all taken Kansas City this past weekend because at the end of the day when the numbers suggest that there's no way Kansas City could cover that's when we should have laid the double digit spread the line opened up at basically eight and a half nine they bet it up to ten and you're like oh I gotta take Seattle and at the end of the day they get boat race so it is what it is I mean Kansas City can turn it on and turn it off because of Patrick Mahomes the defense stepped up and at the end of the day they're still one of the best teams in the NFL come playoff time we know a about the usual suspects, Kansas City, Buffalo, and now Joey Silk with Cincinnati. And we'll break down all three of those teams, including the Chiefs. I guess you could say Saturday at Arrowhead Joe was a Joe Mo versus Joe Post <laughs> special, and Joe Mo got the benefit of the doubt. Kansas City covering as a 10-and-a-half point favorite, and Patrick Mahomes efficient didn't have to do much 16 of 28 224 and two passing touchdowns he also ran one in diving for the pylon in an incredibly athletic move he is now a minus 500 favorite to win the nfl mvp because of the absence now of jalen hurts we go to the second game that had a large spread on saturday eight and a half joe in favor of buffalo on the road in chicago pretty tight throughout Pretty tight at the half with Buffalo actually trailing the Chicago Bears at that halftime locker room, 10-3. to But Buffalo outscores Chicago 29-3 to in the second half to pull away for a 35-13 to victory. I think the story, Joe, 
really what Buffalo did on the ground. Josh Allen had 41 yards, but it was James Cook and Devin Singletary combining for over 200 themselves. They had 254 as a team as Buffalo covers as an 8.5-point road favorite. Yeah, and James Cook's total was like 32.5 before the game. So think about that. If they could get James Cook involved in the rushing attack along with the short intermediate passing game, now you provide another weapon for Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I think, threw for like a buck 60 in that ballgame. So at the end of the day, this game was won on the rushing attack of Buffalo. And on the flip side, they contained Justin Fields, right? Justin Fields only broke out for 11 yards or 14 yards on the ground, Ben. I mean, that's not the same Justin fields that we saw tear apart the Philadelphia defense in terms of a couple of weeks ago. So at the end of the day, Buffalo did what they had. They started slow, but again, they pulled away in the fourth quarter, just like they did in back-to-back weeks now, and they're starting to find their momentum. And then again, at the end of the day, they go as Josh Allen goes. You know, as when he runs the football, he is one of the most lethal quarterbacks in all the NFL. And right now, they're proven to be ascending at just a right time. Joe, some breaking news here on Football Uh Full Circle on the day following Christmas, not Black Monday in the National Football League. That's after the end of the regular season, but the Broncos have made it official. The Denver Broncos have fired Nathaniel Hackett just 15 games into his only year as a head coach in the National Football League and with the Broncos organization. So, Joe, it is official. He will not see one full completed season in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett has been fired by the Broncos. Yeah, it started week one, right, with that bad clock management and the and the field goal opting for a 61-yarder to look like he was a deer in the headlights for, right from the get-go. No offensive identity, and you could put that on Russell Wilson as well. Whether Russell Wilson was prepared for the season or not, uh, only time will tell. He didn't seem to grasp Nathaniel Hackett's offensive scheme, and at the end of the day, when you have, when you have players fighting, not just uh, last week, but remember yeah. in the middle part of the season when they were calling out Russell Wilson. That shows that the head coach has no control over this organization or football team, and a change needed to be had, Ben. Absolutely so, Joe, and now that's what we would see. I think you're referencing during the middle of the Carolina NFL season, Mike Purcell came off the field and was yelling at Russ, being like, hey man, look what our defense does for you, and you continue to go out and throw up these clunkers. I don't know how Russell Wilson is viewed in that Denver locker room. We are hearing some from his former Seattle teammates about their time together in the Pacific Northwest, but now a very uncertain offseason ahead for the Denver Broncos, who entered this year, Joe, with such optimism such a high feeling a win total at nine and a half ten for a good majority of the summer and in the preseason they were tied for the fourth best price joe the fourth best price maybe even the third best price only behind kansas city and buffalo alongside the chargers to win the afc there was a thought joe the afc west was going to be diabolical this year the chiefs who had won it for six straight years entering now seven straight the slight favorite but la was only less than a dollar behind and denver was about a dollar and five cents behind how things have transpired completely differently the broncos a four and eleven football team have fired their head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. Plenty more coming there as we get going, Joe, the rest of this week here on Football Full Circle, but we'll continue our recap of where things stand in the NFL. We mentioned Buffalo, a big victory. Since he looked, Joe, like they were going to win big, 
And then they had to hold on for dear life. The Patriots driving under 30 seconds left down inside Cincy's 10-yard line. Ramondre Stevenson fumbles. The Bengals recover. They hold on for a 22-18 victory on the road in Foxborough. Still covering Joe as a three-point road favorite. The Bengals now have won seven straight. And despite making it a little bit dicey there at the end, Joe, certainly trending in a positive uh, trajectory toward the postseason. Yeah, Joe Burrow, three touchdown passes. They build the big lead and hold on. But at the end of the day, we talked about it in terms of Bill Belichick. I I equated Belichick to an aging prize fighter. Stick a fork in New England and Belichick, they're done, right? He can see the punches coming. He just can't get out of the way. He doesn't adjust. There's no offensive game plan. There's no identity. What do they have? If they don't run the football, they don't win ballgames. That's the bottom line. They have no speed on the perimeter outside. Maybe Devontae Parker and Jacoby Myers, which are pedestrian wide receivers, at the end of the day, they need an offensive overhaul, and we'll see how it transpires. They maybe will go back to Bill O'Brien. That's what I'm hearing in terms of the offensive coordinator at Alabama, because those two guys, in terms of and Joe Judge are, are fish out of the water, and you had to sell New England when the brain trust went in that direction. Maybe Bill O'Brien, which would open up a position there in Tuscaloosa for potentially an NFL head coach at the moment, Cliff Kingsbury, or maybe Nick Saban takes Nathaniel Hackett as an offensive analyst. We'll see how things stand. No, absolutely not. It's just a joke that goes around, you know? They always say Alabama offensive analyst, any head coach that was fired from any position, really, Joe. So as things stand for the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe, a huge game a week from tonight in Cincy as the Bengals host the Bills. It's virtually a pick Buffalo, a slight one-and-a-half-point favorite, but the money line is minus 110 for the Bills, minus 106 for the home team in Cincinnati. Joe, that game is going to have a tremendous Tremendous impact on the AFC's hunt for the number one overall seed that Buffalo, KC, and Cincy still all have the possibility of becoming. And then what that number one seed means for the significance of the AFC postseason outlook. Joe, as we stand here about to be at week 17 of this NFL season, who do you think is the number one overall seed in the AFC? Well, I'm going to go with Joey Silk. I, I, I think they steal it over the next couple of weeks. I really believe that. They just seem to have something going on, and it starts with their quarterback. I mean, I call him a stone-cold killer. I'm not going against him. I really am not, especially in a playoff atmosphere. I mean, seven straight games. They started 0-2. Everybody wrote them off. <laughs> it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, where are they now? And it's because of Joe Burrow. You put him up there with Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes, he's starting something in Cincinnati. This wasn't a one-hit wonder, Ben. No, it certainly was not. This team is back to where we expected them, or at least Joe and I expected them to be. They still hold on to the top spot in the AFC North as well. A victory over Buffalo, Joe, would position Cincy very well to be that number one overall seed. They would, of course, have the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage against the Buffalo Bills and against the Chiefs, but they would need KC to lose one more game down the stretch over their final 
two, and Kansas City will close the year against the Denver Broncos and against the Las Vegas Raiders for this upcoming Sunday for Kansas City inside Arrowhead. They're a 13 and a half point favorite against the Denver Broncos, who of course will now be playing with a new head coach, or at least an interim head coach in Denver, Colorado. All right, Joe, let's continue to go around. The reason the Bengals have a one-game advantage now, still in the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens lost last week against the Browns, but did not do so this week against the Atlanta Falcons. They cover as a six-and-a-half-point home favorite as Tyler Huntley gets the start and leads the Ravens to a 17-9 victory over Atlanta. The question, Joe, then becomes, when do we next see Lamar Jackson on the field as the Ravens have clinched a playoff spot in the AFC? Will Lamar be back before the end of the regular season, Joe? We'll await the updates there out of Baltimore and that sprained PCL joint in his knee. Yeah, I think you have to get him back because, you know, he needs as much work as possible. And that's not to take away from Lamar Jackson, big backer of his athleticism. But in terms of the passing attack, that's really going to make or break Baltimore the rest of the way. They need Lamar to get into a rhythm heading into playoff time. I'm not saying rush him back, but I, I at least need one game under his belt before they go into the playoffs. It will be something, Joe, that is going to be huge for Baltimore. How healthy is Lamar? What does that knee look like when he returns? And what does that mean for the Ravens in their postseason outlook? The fourth best price in the AFC, but a large drop-off, Joe, between the three teams clearly at the top in Buffalo, Casey, and Cincy from the rest of the field. The Ravens 11-1. Cincy has the third best number at plus 470, over $6 of difference there. An AFC South battle, Joe, is going to play out week 18 that decides the entire division it doesn't even really matter what happens this upcoming Sunday week 17 for the Jaguars or the Titans because Tennessee Joe loses on Saturday at home as a three and a half point favorite without Ryan Tannehill against the Houston Texans Derrick Henry ran for more than 120 yards but it doesn't matter as the Texans get just their second win of the year, which means Jacksonville has now overtaken the top spot in the division based on the head-to-head tiebreaker, and we'll have a winner-take-all game to end out the regular season in the AFC South. Who wins it? Joe Lisi will tell us next here on FFC. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We are back live right here for just a few more minutes on Football Full Circle. He's Joe Lisi. I'm Ben Stevens. So, Joe, the Tennessee Titans have lost five straight games, including their fifth straight victory as a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Houston Texans. Houston has only won two games this year. So now Tennessee falls one game below 500, and currently, Joe, in the second spot in the AFC South standings. Both the Titans and the Jags are 7-8, and but Jacksonville just a a few weeks ago, Wallop, Tennessee in Nashville. They had the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage. It doesn't really matter, Joe, based on divisional tiebreakers, head-to-head tiebreakers, what happens week 17. The Jags a four-point road favorite in Houston. Tennessee a 10-point home underdog on Thursday night in Nashville against the Cowboys. They will play each other in Jacksonville week 18 to end the regular season in Duval County. So, Joe, right now the Jags a minus 250 favorite to win the AFC South. But when all is said and done, who's the divisional champ? 
I'm going to go with Tennessee, I think. I think I'm going to I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think they sneak it out somehow some way. I and I'll tell you the Jacksonville laying four on the road to Houston. Houston's playing as good as anybody right now. Went toe to toe with Dallas, Kansas City. They get the road win as an underdog, three and a half point underdogs. They pull it out, nineteen fourteen. They can knock off Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville as good as they're playing. I'm gonna I, I might take the Texans in that ball game, Ben. It's I mean yeah certainly so. And it's a good point, Joe. They have been a really good underdog. One time for the Houston Texans, booked as a dog in every game this year. All 15, 7-7-1 seven and seven and one against the spread. So very profitable, to say the least. But even if Houston loses that game, or even if Houston wins that game, Joe, Jacksonville, if they beat Tennessee on that final Sunday of the year, would sweep the season series, and thus they would be tied in the win-loss column. And, of course, the head-to-head tiebreaker advantage goes to the Jaguars. That's why they're minus 250 at the moment. Tons to be decided. The AFC South and the NFC South, all eight teams below 500. He's Joe Lisi. I'm Ben Stevens. Thanks for tuning in to Football Full Circle today. The Moneyline is up next. 